We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Cool. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Uh, joining me now, Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. And we're here to talk to you about our friends over at Lamb Chops. That's not true. We're here to talk to you about the 49ers and Seahawks matchup on Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to be joined by our favorite cast member, Nick Wagner of ESPN, who is currently backstage. Uh, <laughs> but before we do that, we got to talk about our friends over at Lamb Chops. SGLambchops.com is the website. Candlestick20 is the promo code. Use that code. Get 20% off. They've got a new winter collection coming out soon. It's super sick. They've got sweats. They've got this like uh, Letterman jacket looking thing. They've got t-shirt coming out. It's It all looks incredible. It's all super comfortable. It's all high quality and crisp. It looks dope. Which is, as we know, the most important thing. Top of the list. SGLambchops.com is a website. Follow them on Instagram at SGLambchops for looks at all their latest styles. And use promo code CANDLESTICK20 at SGLambchops.com for 20% off your order today. We're also sponsored by the homies over at Cooperage Brewing. CooperageBrewing.com is the website there. You can order a case of beer. If you're 21 and over and in the state of California, they will ship a case of beer directly to your front door. It can be Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA. That's our recommendation, but it doesn't have to be that. All of their beers are delicious, and you can get a case of it sent to it. You can mix and match a case. Recommend that as well. One day shipping, beer at your front door, you sign for it, and you have 24 cold ones. The best way to acquire beer. Do so now at cooperagebrewing.com. All right, let's dive into this 49er Seahawks preview with the homie Nick Wagner. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Bosa's got him, and a sack him back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us, uh, today before you fly out to Seattle. It means a lot that you're willing to carve out this time in your schedule, uh, to spend with us. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I was like waiting for a punchline of some sort. And that was like a super, super genuine thing. I don't really know how to respond. That's really, that's really not how we go. Can you make a joke or make fun of me or something? Real quick? Yeah. Okay. Um, let me just, uh, or let's make fun of Chris. 
Yeah, no, yeah. totally. Uh, Nick Wagner, if you're watching on YouTube, joining us from uh, the abyss somewhere in the middle of outer space, uh, apparently. <laughs> it's very dark where you are. I turned lights on. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. No, nah, all right. Nick's, Nick's got that mood lighting in the, in the crib. Yeah, he does. I respect it, honestly. Um. Yeah. All right. There, I'm gonna that just isn't what in. I got. I'm going to just, yeah, yeah, you're in Nolens right now. Um, I have a question for you, Nick. Um, that's great because that's what the reason that's what we're here, here for. <laughs> so, Brock Purdy last year in Seattle on a short week in a big spot where the Niners could clinch the division. They can't clinch the division this Thursday, but um, they could they could put a stranglehold on it for sure if they go get that win uh, against Seattle. So, that's the game that Kyle Shanahan points to as when he realized that Brock Purdy was a dude. Can this year be the year that Brock Purdy becomes the guy with a win in Seattle? You mean the dude? You you messed it up. You always no. I said he's a dude, and now he's the guy. Oh, I thought you said the dude. I have no, to we have to I'd play that back. Uh, Rough yeah, the Rory starts to respond. The seriously important question. No, I mean. <laughs> Look, uh, first of all, uh, also a quick thank you to you guys for reading my piece from last week on the podcast. Um, You're big. I, 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 I enjoyed that. Uh, but, you know, the nice thing here is for, for Brock Purdy going into this game is so much has changed in, in that in that year um, for him, especially. And, and I think one of the things that I, is in, in, to me that has made the biggest impression this season that has changed so much and has taken this offense to another level from where he was last year at this time is the deep ball frequency, the the addition of the deep ball. And I know that's been one of the things that people, you know, who don't watch Brock Purdy play uh, like to say is always oh, just checking it down. And then those guys are running for well, as, as I, as I mentioned last week in that piece is the reason that his yards per attempt is so ridiculously absurdly high right now is because it's both. It is him pushing the ball down the field and guys getting yards after the catch. And, you know, if you think about him going into Seattle last year at this time, he couldn't even push it down the field if he wanted to because, you know, his his ribs were in such a bad state. We weren't even sure if he was going to play in that game, and the Niners weren't sure until about 15 minutes before it started. So thinking back to where he was then to versus where he is now, it's, it's a much different conversation. And obviously the 49ers feel a lot better about uh, going into this game based on the track record that Purdy has built up in the time since, but also of course his health status. Nick, I, I think, I mean, we read it because we asked you to come on the podcast and and you politely declined. I'm sure you had something Stiffed really, you, you had something really important going on. So that's Send why a we text five it. minutes before the <laughs> podcast started. And semantics. I have just flown back semantics. from Jacksonville. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, no, we. <laughs> I, I think you you have been probably one of the most level-headed um, people among the NFL media sphere talking about Brock Purdy and talking about what he's good at and what he's not good at. Um, so I think you're you're the the right person to ask. Like, what Brock Purdy's doing is obviously impressive, and the 49ers still have a, a chance at, at the number one seed. Is the MVP conversation like is it is it realistic to insert him into that if the 49ers um go in and, and play if continue playing at the level that they've been playing at the last two weeks for the rest of the season? Is that a crazy conversation to have? And why do you think or why don't you think that it would be appropriate to to group Purdy with some of the elite quarterbacks in the league who are also going to be in that MVP discussion? 
it's only a crazy conversation for those who are non-believers in him based on things like his draft status, right? Like it's, it's crazy because his story is crazy. The fact that he is in that conversation now, but he has to be in that conversation. And, and I think if you just look at the numbers and what we know about what it takes to win MVP in this league, I, I asked Nick Bosa a question last week. One of my colleagues was working on a story about how hard it is for a defensive player to try to win MVP in this league. And I asked Nick Bosa, what do you think it would take for you to win MVP? And he, you know, he rattled off. He said, the numbers would have to be crazy. Like not just break the sack record, but break it by a lot. You'd have to have a lot of splash plays, forced fumbles, recoveries. Lots of stuff. And then he said, and the first like 10 or so best quarterbacks from the best teams in the league would have to have really bad years. Like that was like the last yeah. thing he said. So mm -hmm. uh, if you're talking about the the quarterbacks on the best teams in the league right now, Brock Purdy is one of those. So he checks that box. And then if you look at the numbers, it's almost impossible to deny what that is. And uh, stats and information had the stat the other night. I tweeted it out that if you look at yards per attempt, just yards per attempt, there's three other quarterbacks in history who this deep into the season have been doing what Brock Purdy's doing. So nine point, he's at 9.7 yards per attempt. Boomer Esiason was at 9.8. Dan Marino, like right around 9.7, 9.6. Aaron Rodgers, 9.7, 9.6. Those three other guys all won the MVP. And so if he continues on this trajectory, I don't know how he can't be in the conversation, especially if the 49ers keep winning. And I, I don't necessarily know that this is a year where there's a ton of other great options either. I think that's going to factor into this conversation. If you're talking about the Patrick Mahomes and the Jalen Hurts and all those guys, great players, but they're not putting up those big numbers uh, to, to mm -hmm. that point. So uh, I think Brock Purdy, he checks all the boxes, but then when you look at like kind of the surrounding parts of that conversation, uh, I, I think that has to has to play into to, into it as well. And picks the right days to check boxes too. Sundays usually they're hoping for a Thursday this week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it's it's one of the things I have a hard time with, and this is something that that your piece addresses, is when when I don't I don't, I don't it's like doubters is the wrong word. I don't think it's doubters, uh, but people trying to diminish kind of what Brock Purdy is doing individually, the diminishers out there. I. A lot of it goes to, well, look at the supporting cast, look at the coaching staff. And it's like, that's 100% true. The Niners, the Niners yeah. roster is loaded on, on both sides of the ball. Yeah. But at the same time, this is not that, was it the Rams game in 2020 where Jimmy Garoppolo threw for like 280 yards with an eight out of negative two? Yeah. Or something insane like that. Like, that's not what this offense is. Like, it's it's just so clearly a different version of the offense than we've seen previously. So how much of it do you attribute to the playmakers and the and the play caller and how much of it is is purdy i, I mean I, I i'm not gonna sit here and try to assign a percentage to it but i i, I think that if you look at please if you if you look at the, if you look at the if, if you look at the stuff that i was just talking about like it's it's a classic one of those like two things can be true at once type of things yeah. where like I, I just don't know a quarterback, especially if you're starting talking about MVPs and winning teams and Super Bowl MVPs. And all that, name me a quarterback who didn't have a good supporting cast who did that stuff. I, I, I look at Jalen Hurts, and you want to have that conversation and say, well, look at his offensive line. It's Loaded. one of the best offensive lines in football. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Dallas Goddard when he's healthy. Uh, DeAndre Swift is a good running. I mean, it's mm. it's not like these guys don't have talent around them. And so then it goes back to, well, what is the root cause of those who want to diminish Purdy? And I, I think some of it is, is 
it's good business, right? Like there's people who, who are making money off of just using the 49ers quarterback situation to constantly stir up conversation. That's fine. If that's your, if that's your lane, that's fine. It's not, it's not my job, but, hey, that, but that's fine. It's great over here, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I think the other element to it is, is, is there's also fans of other teams who are just terrified at the idea that the 49ers could have this much talent, have that head coach, that coaching staff, and a good quarterback too, a really good quarterback too. And, and, and so th- they just don't want to believe it because then they think they're in trouble, right? Like in their heart of hearts, they know, and they probably know it uh, at the end of the day. So, uh, you know, the, the discourse is, is always weird. I, what I always try to do is, is I I'll watch the games. I'll watch them multiple times That's crazy. and then I'll die. I know, right. Crazy. And then dive into the stats and say, is there, are there things that are backing up what I'm seeing or are there things that I'm missing that I need to go back and look for? And with Brock Purdy, everything matches up. And, and you know, I, I, I pointed out the, in the, the issue with turnovers, which to me, I think, I think the, one, the one game that Brock Purdy played and didn't play well at all was the Cleveland game. And he mm-hmm. did, you know, put the drive at the end. You got to make the field goal for, you know, whatever. Uh, but the other two games, the Cincinnati and the Minnesota game, he was playing really, really well. He yeah. just threw some bad picks at really bad times. And so you have just to be fair, that's something he's got to improve because they're not in a lot of tight mm-hmm. games like that. Um, which is another kind of crazy, you know, point of discussion that keeps coming up where it's like he needs to be, you know, he's gotta he's gotta start showing that he could come from behind. And it's like, well. You, you're kind of ignoring one of the reasons that they're up by so much is the fact that he's playing so well. I mean, I could you if you want to talk about MVP numbers, it, it, look at how many fourth quarters that he hasn't thrown the ball or hasn't played that much. You know, yeah. there's there's another chance where he could have been compiling numbers and continuing to add to it. So, um, you know, the, the discourse is what it is. I think it's just important to always try to figure out what is the truth and try to take bias out of it as much as you can. That's our job, and um, I just try to do it as much as I can, and hopefully that shows through in my work. It it definitely does. Real quick, I I saw an article on USA Today today that said Patrick Mahomes needs more help. Like I thought, you weren't allowed to have that if you were a good quarterback. Well, I <laughs> no see. And that watching the Chiefs game last night, my takeaway was like, you know, Patrick Mahomes he lost the game, so I'm sure that stinks. But his one takeaway that he could probably be happy about is is like. See, everyone's going to give me credit now because I don't have the talent around me. Look at yeah. look at the record I've compiled here. Um, but I'm sure he also would like to win a Super Bowl. It might be a little bit more difficult mm. to do without receivers who can catch the ball. That's a so. good point. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's funny. Like to your point, and and we've talked about this before a lot, but just like every quarterback has an elite receiver, or an, you know, there there's something about an elite quarterback that also makes their situation elite, whether it's their pass catchers or their head coach or whatever. It's, it's always, it's never a really good quarterback dragging a team through the mud uh, that without any help, unless it's like Russell Wilson circa, I don't know, 2016 or whatever like that. That to me is really the only example that I can think of in recent memory where it's like, here's a quarterback who's taking a below average roster and being the rising tide that lifts all boats and allowing your team to contend, but that's super rare. And so you can't, you know, you can go through quarterback by quarterback and say this guy has a good coach, a good good receiving core, whatever it is. And I just think it's silly to use that against him. It would be like, and obviously I'm not saying Brock Purdy's Joe Montana, but being like, sure. yeah, Joe Montana's a little overrated because he had Bill Walsh. Right. right. Jerry right. Rice. Yeah, Jerry Rice Bull. It's Roger it's Craig. like we yeah. 
it's you know we can't penalize a guy for the situation he's he's put in so anyway yeah, um, yeah. and I, but i also think too the other part of that is is like he's elevating it like you know, yeah if you exactly wanna, if people want to say well oh, he's doing the same thing as jimmy Garopp- jimmy garoppolo was never like far and away first in the league and basically every important passing category that was never the case and so it is taking that next step and taking it and and a lot of that is is like i said it's the deep ball and i i actually should go back and look at this because i think i can i could figure out a way to set the filter so that i could figure out how much of the yak that he's getting is coming on throws that are you know beyond 10 yards because if you you say oh he got what brandon now you got what 40 yards of yak last week Mm -hmm. on that long touchdown um so you're gonna hold that against brock purdy because he threw a perfect pass that was 40 yards and then brandon i you picked up the other 37 or what i mean that's the that's the that's the difference there where it's like these are not just screen passes and i can't i mean just off the top of my head when's the last time he did throw like a screen or something that went 60 plus yards for a big game a lot of their big passing plays this year have come when he's pushed the ball down the field yeah. yeah, it's not like 2021 where it was Debo Samuel scored a bunch of touchdowns on bubble screens right. and pop passes, right? Like right. It's, exactly. he's pushing the ball downfield. Um, I want to shift gears for a little acknowledging bit. acknowledging those as passes, Chris. We appreciate that. Reluctantly. Reluctantly. Dude, Tampa um, Bay ran one the other day. I could feel you just steaming. <laughs> From all the way across the country. Yeah. <laughs> Writing a Keegan Murray injury post. Like, just feeling. Those aren't, those aren't passing yards. <laughs> Um, NFL Jesus, you are not my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and and talk about Talano Hufunga um, because I I think it's an interesting discussion because one, like losing Talano Hufunga, you're losing a guy who was named all pro last year. Um, I think everyone here tends to agree that maybe him earning all pro, I don't know that to say it was unwarranted, but I, I didn't, it didn't feel like a really all pro season for him, particularly in the second half, at least in my opinion, he had, he had a lot of splash plays in the first half and in some high profile nationally televised games, which certainly helped his cause. Um, but it didn't feel like this guy was like, you know, the best or one of the two best safeties in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, that said, they're replacing him now that he's done with, for the season with an ACL tear with the rookie Jair Brown, who seems like a very different player. Um, and he is kind of an unknown, right? Like Talano Funga, somebody the Niners knew coming in, might be more like a hybrid linebacker safety type, somebody who's better near the line of scrimmage. And I think Jair Brown is is probably more of a traditional safety. Um, so Nick, I wanted to ask you, like, what what's what's your feel for the Niners' expectations for Jair Brown now that now that he's thrust into the starting lineup and and could it look different? Um, like, could he be successful while it looks very different from what Talano Hufunga was when he was starting there? Yeah, I think I think one of the things, first of all, that needs to be pointed out is, is that the Niners have gotten more and further away from uh, just having kind of a strict, this is, you're our strong safety and you're our free safety. You're, you're seeing more uh, two high looks and, and, you know, both guys kind of playing different roles. And um, I think that actually plays a little bit more into the hands of Jair Brown. Like I think in some ways that could make them a little bit, uh, it should make things easier for them in terms of disguising what they want to do coverage wise, uh, mixing and matching what Gibson and, and Brown do. Cause I think Gibson, he profiles a little bit more if you were just talking about the the traditional positions more as a strong but i also think that you know he, they view him as a potential free but again if they're going to continue to kind of you know 
blur the lines between what those positions entail. It doesn't really matter. And so um, I think it's going to give them an opportunity to do some different things uh, with what they, especially with what they do in coverage, because I think Jair Brown, if you go back and look at it uh, in college, a lot of ball skills, a guy who was always able to kind of make plays in the ball, had a lot of interceptions, getting his hands on the ball a lot too. Um, You even saw that the other day, obviously the big, the big plays in the end zone, the interception and the pass breakup. And those kinds of things. And so I think in some ways there's a chance uh, that he could be better. And we talked to Jair Brown today. And one of the things I was asking him is I said, you know, what did you see on the film from your first game? Obviously a lot of uh, good things to take away, some bad things as well. You know, what was your kind of breakdown? And he said the one thing he really felt like he needed to work on was his eyes, you know. And, and we, we hear safeties especially talk about that a lot where – you know, they see something and they think it's it's one thing and it's not that thing. Um, and I think a lot of that really is just playing like, you know, you, you can't trust your eyes until you've seen, you know, uh, what what is actually real and what is actually not when you're on the field. Yeah. And so um, there probably will be some growing pains. I mean, I, I think that's probably wise to expect. But um, I also think that you you may trade some of that initial where Hufanga's getting you big plays, those splash plays you were talking about, Chris. Maybe you're not getting as many of those because Ufanga was doing a lot of that off of instincts and what his eyes were telling him. Uh, until Jair Brown gets that experience under his belt, maybe he won't have those big splashy plays. But you might get from down to down better coverage on the back end. Um, and mm. Ufanga didn't tackle real well. There was especially a three-game stretch there that during the three-game losing streak. Kyle Shanahan said this just the other day that. Uh, he didn't think Hufanga played that well during that stretch. So maybe they get a little bit more consistency in some of those areas as well. But I do think, uh, you know, there's probably going to be some growing pains and you're probably going to sacrifice some of those splash plays. The trade-off is, is maybe if Brown's not making them, he's also not giving up some of the ones that you might see Hufanga give up too. All right, before we continue our preview here, let's talk about our friends over at prize picks it is daily fantasy sports made easy and doing these daily fantasy entries has been one of my my favorite parts of this nfl season you just pick two to six players there's a stat projection for each one and then you pick more or less on the stat projection and you watch the winnings roll in it's super easy they're doing a super fun specials league where they're combining maybe LeBron James and Travis Kelsey, and you pick more or less than 10 and a half three pointers and catches. So really, really fun, super fun way to, to take in uh, all the different sports going on this time of year. A lot, a lot of basketball, a lot of football, and you can keep track of all of it with prize picks. So Chris, let's put together a couple of entries for this 49er Seahawks game coming up on Thanksgiving and off the bat. There's a special. It's Christian McCaffrey, half a rushing plus receiving yard. I'm taking that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go more than half a yard. I feel good about it. Your thoughts? Um. Yeah. Look. I mean, you look at the season Christian McCaffrey's having. I think he's still the NFL's leading rusher. Obviously, mm-hmm. the historic touchdown streak that came to an end a couple weeks ago. Um. I really feel strongly that that he can hit that half a yard mark combined yeah. for you. Yeah, um, he's just too too much of a focal point in the passing game uh, and rushing attack for from Kyle Shanahan to to think that he's not going to do that. So I think it's it's really smart on your end. Yeah, I think he gets. I think he gets at least one yard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm also going to go Brandon Ayuk. <laughs> his receiving uh, his receiving squares sixty four and a half receiving yards. I'm going to go less. 
And it's partly because I think Devin Witherspoon is going to be on him and he's a good corner. But Brandon Ayuk this year has a streak going of more than six and a half or more than 64 and a half, less than 64 and a half, more, less. He's alternated that every single week. He went more last week. I'm going less this week. I'm riding the pattern and I'm going to take less on Brandon Ayuk's 64 and a half receiving yards. Jawan Jennings, 15 and a half receiving yards. I'm going to take less. I just do that every week because in the off chance that Jawan Jennings has a couple of catches for 22 yards, fine. Uh, chances are he's probably going to have more like one or two for 11 or 12. So I'm going to take the less than 15 and a half receiving yards on Jawan Jennings. You had this one as well, and I'm riding with you on it. I think it's a great one. Chase Young more than a quarter sack. So 0.25 sacks. He just needs to rack up half a sack. He has at least half in, in each of his two games with the 49ers. He had one at the end of last game. So I like him to get at least half a sack against Seattle. And then you can't pick just from, from one team in your entry. So I also took Seattle's tight end Noah Fant to go more than 16 and a half receiving yards. I think Geno Smith is a little banged up. I think he's going to be checking it down a lot. And I think you're going to see a lot of targets for Noah Fant. And maybe he gets a big one just on Jair Brown being out of position or or something along those lines. Maybe there's an ill-timed blitz that leaves Noah Fant open in the middle of the field. I'm going to go more than 16 and a half receiving yards for him. I like all those picks. Uh, I think those are those are well thought out, um, particularly the Christian McCaffrey one. Thank you. <clears throat> I'm, yeah, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, Brock Purdy fewer than 253 and a half passing yards. I just okay. think these games are tend to be close and not like offensive explosions. And the 49ers are probably going to run the ball a lot. And it might be one of those ugly games um, that we've seen so often on Thursday night. So just um, not, not saying that I think Purdy's going to have a bad game per se, but I think it could be one of those games where he has like 20 pass attempts and complete 17 of them um, and goes for like 215 instead of, uh, instead of 253 and a half. So fewer than 253 and a half for Brock. Um, I am going more than eight and a half rushing yards for Purdy. I just think there's going to be an opportunity uh, where he can um, he can scramble for a first down at some point in the game, use his legs a little bit, um, and really just break that eight and a half rushing yards in in one play. Um, not that he's like he's mobile, but he's not a running quarterback. Uh, sure. But I, I think that um, that that's that's a good one. Um, we we are aligned on the Chase Young more than a quarter sack. Uh, another one. Arguably, the Seahawks' best player, um, maybe one of the most underrated players in the NFL, full stop, uh, their punter, Michael Dixon, I'm going more than four punts. I think Pete Carroll loves to be um, conservative. I think this is going to be a defensive battle for the most part, and I think there's going to be an opportunity to to try to flip field position quite a bit in this one. So uh, with the 40, with the 49ers defense being as good as, as it is, I'm not necessarily a Geno Smith believer. Um, I'm going Michael Dixon more than four punts for the game. I love that selection by you. That's Thank a great you. entry. Thank you. That sounds like, let's... sounds like a couple of winners for you and me. If you want to join us on prize picks, go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick. Use the promo code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. That is prizepicks.com slash candlestick promo code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100 prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy now let's get back to our conversation with Nick
What's up, y'all? It's Kyle from Candlestick Chronicles here to talk to you about Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. I know there are so many people out there who are like me. You wake up at all hours of the morning, you commute three hours a day, you have your main job, you have side jobs, you have families, you have you have extracurricular activities that you do, whether it's maybe it's church, maybe it's coaching a baseball team or playing softball or basketball, whatever it is you do in your life. Maybe it's knitting. I don't know, but you're busy and you don't always have time to meal prep, whether it's breakfast, lunch, dinner, you wind up not, not making a lunch when you go to work and you wind up going and grabbing fast food and you just, Oh, you're on the way home. I'm going to grab something quick to eat. You know, you don't have time to always prepare something great for yourself. Whether it tastes good or, or whether it's healthy for you, it, it, it's, it's up and down. At least for me. I don't know. Maybe you're, maybe you're different. But I know especially around the holidays, you're trying to make holiday plans. And also you got to cook and you got to make sure you got something for breakfast. Make sure you got something for lunch. Oh, what are we going to do for dinner? That's a constant question in our household. With Factor, you can skip that trip to the grocery store. You can skip the chopping, the prepping. Oh my God, the cleaning? Are you joking? The cleaning is my least favorite part. And you can skip all that too. Because with Factor, you can get all of the flavor and the nutrition quality that you need delivered right to your front door. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. I have a box of Factor meals coming to my house right now. And I honestly, like, (laughs) I'm such a dork. I get the shipping updates. And I check and see. I, I'm I get the I get the updates, and I'm looking to see exactly where my box is to make sure that it is going to get to me when I need it. And I'm so excited to crack that thing open and get get ready to eat meals because again, like I said, this is a hectic week. We got holidays coming up. I got people coming over. I've got a house to clean and and a fridge to keep full of holiday goodies. And I'm also gonna have a fridge full of Factor. And that's going to get me through the ups and downs of the, what am I having for lunch? What am I having for dinner? What am I going to do for breakfast today? I don't have to answer that question anymore because I'm going to have factor in my fridge. Head to factormeals.com slash candlestick 50 and use code candlestick 50 to get 50%. Oh my God. Half off. Is that serious? Oh my God. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to do this again. Head to factormeals.com slash candlestick 50 and use code candlestick 50 to get 50% off. That's code candlestick50 at factormeals.com slash candlestick50 to get 50% off your order today. Join me, get factor. I want to jump to the other side of the ball while we're talking about injury stuff. What do you think the offensive line is going to look like against Seattle? Aaron Banks is back in practice on Tuesday, but it sounds like Spencer Burford's not going to play. Um, I What? what happens (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i think the guard situation is certainly kind of muddy right now i think just you know this is just purely a guess not not based on reporting other than just kind of what we know and what what we've seen but i i think banks probably is going to go this week at least that's kind of the early indication and if you just want look go back to the timeline kyle shanahan said a few weeks which would be three weeks that was before the bye week. So they had the bye week and then you had the Jacksonville week and then you had the Tampa week. So I I, I kind of think like if it was a Sunday game, he would definitely be playing, but I still kind of get the impression he's going to. The only things that could complicate that is obviously if there's a setback, but also playing on turf, a guy coming off a turf toe, maybe not ideal um, in, in that type of scenario, but also he will have that extra time 
this weekend if he could kind of push through it to to get all the way back. Spencer Burford, that was a new one that popped up yesterday. Yeah. We didn't know we didn't know anything about it. I asked Shanahan today if it was a if he thought it was a long term thing. He said no. He said if it was a Sunday game, we'd feel pretty good about it. But kind of gave the indication that since it's not, he probably won't be able to go. So my guess is you'll see Banks at left guard and Feliciano at right guard. If if Banks isn't available. Your guess is as good as mine. I, I don't know that I don't think Ben Barch, who they signed from Jacksonville's practice squad, I don't think I don't think he's gonna necessarily be ready. It didn't sound like Kyle Shanahan was real enthusiastic about trying to play him. Maybe <laughs> they call up maybe they call up Corey Luciano again from the practice squad. Um, maybe there's someone else from the practice squad they, they could call up, but uh, it doesn't seem like they're keen on doing that based on the fact that they went and got another guard from Jacksonville. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I, I, I think that's probably the way it's going to play out, at least as we sit here right now, but, uh, I, it's definitely something to keep an eye on given, especially that Seattle has kind of revamped that, that front four here off the off season. Yeah. It feels like they're kind of hosed on the offensive line, regardless. Like if, when you're dipping into the practice squad, there's not going to be somebody there that's going to like go save your season. So I mean, some may, some may have you believe that, but yeah, that, that's, uh, <laughs> probably not going to be the case but uh yeah i mean the ben the ben barch thing like uh, this nothing against ben you know maybe maybe they think there's something they could tap into there but just given the fact that the niners annihilated uh their that that offensive line a couple of weeks ago uh you know going and getting a guy who wasn't even on the active roster uh for that may not may not exactly be a panacea for your season either <laughs> so uh, Nick, you you asked us in in the group chat a couple weeks ago uh, a really thought provoking question and ended up being really prescient because of the stretch the 49ers have now, and that was you know what what do you think the most important game on the Niners remaining schedule was, and I think you know the the easy answer would be the the game coming up in in a couple weeks in Philadelphia. Um, because of what could be on the line in terms of the one seed, but um, you've been you've been talking about this and writing about this that you know these two Seattle games that are sandwiching that Eagles game are as important, if not more important, for the big picture. And obviously, the you know you you can't get the one seed without winning your division, and you know the best way to win the division is obviously take care of your divisional opponents. Um, can you just elaborate on like the importance of Thursday's game? Um, in that sense and why it's more important than than perhaps the Eagles game two weeks from now well I was told by all the all the people on Twitter who hate fun that we're not allowed to talk about any game beyond the next game so the good news <laughs> the good news <laughs> is is the Focus next on this week yeah right because if we talk about anything beyond this week that's going to have an adverse effect on because we are the players and right. we are the ones preparing to play on Thursday yeah. they, absolutely they, they go players meeting in the big auditorium play candlestick chronicles and they listen <laughs> yeah if they hear the word eagles they're gonna be like we gotta go <laughs> right right they're gonna end up in the wrong city at the wrong stadium all that stuff <laughs> um no but the good news is the good news is is that the next game is the seattle game now so we can talk about it can't oh, talk about point. philly but we can't talk about seattle no i actually chose seattle and i think kyle was with me on that you were the dissenting dissenting opinion on that but uh i think i think the diners are in a position where the, the if they could take care of this division first and they kind of have to do that um that's kind of order of operations that they got they got to win this game and if you go just kind of historically kyle had the, the good numbers today i'll let him say that in a moment but one other thing that i had looked up was is the niners have only won in seattle twice i believe since 2012 
And both times they did it, they went on to win the division. Last year, they wrapped it up on Seattle's field, which I'm sure they enjoyed. 2019, they also wrapped it up on Seattle's field, which I know they enjoyed. So um, I, I think there's certainly a direct line between you know the 49ers winning this division and beating Seattle it would also make them three and0 in the division and um, it would push Seattle two games back and get them an early lead but you know I think we could be having a different conversation and we could be saying those verboten words Philadelphia Eagles if the Niners hadn't had that three game losing streak if they were sitting here with one loss right now you wouldn't be looking at the Seattle situation in quite the same terms, but I think the Niners, because of that three game losing streak are in a position right now where it's like, Hey, let's, let's, let's get this, let's get this division taken care of first. And if they win this one, it'll put them in, it put them in a good spot um, to potentially clinch the division in three weeks uh, at home against Seattle. That's not completely out of the realm Man. of possibility. Um, but that this, this week is, is certainly a very important, a step in that direction. You're talking about three weeks from now. I'm so dialed on this week. I can't even I can't even think that far ahead. I don't even know. What nobody nobody stays focused no. on the moment like you, Kyle. No question. <laughs> I'm so locked in. Yeah. D- so I, I tweeted today that if the if the Niners win in Seattle, it'll be the first time they've ever won in Seattle in back to back years. <laughs> ever. Which is just kind of bananas. But <laughs> one of the first people to reply was like, well, yeah, they haven't won in Seattle a lot. So that makes sense. Like, well, let's go fuck myself, I guess. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a good point. No, no, it is, but I thought maybe like in 02, 03, they got him right. a couple times. Okay. Like it just, nope, just never, never happened. So that's, that's, uh, that's, I was like, wow, what a fun Well, stat. your choice didn't imply that, I mean, <laughs> yeah. at all. Yeah, uh, no. So 21 years they've been in the same division. Niners never won back to back years. In it Seattle, is pretty so crazy. Yeah. Trying to do it. Also, to crazy is the fact that the Saints and Carolina Panthers were in the NFC West and the Rams. And the, and the Rams, the Falcons. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Falcons too. Oh, god, the Fal- oh my god, what a weird yeah, the- time! <laughs> what an odd time. Yeah. Paul Tagliabue yeah. wasn't a big global warming guy, apparently. <laughs> so rack up those airline miles, baby. He had so many points. He put them all on his credit card, his personal credit card. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Up yeah. airline miles. Yeah. Noted West Coast guy Jamal Anderson, definitely, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> just doing the dirty bird out here on the West Coast. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely. Um, I don't division games are weird. So I hate ever saying like, Oh, this team is obviously better. So they should go win. Like last week, I thought the 49ers were, were going to go win and, and handle business against the Buccaneers as, as you did as well. Um, it, I think the Niners are way better than Seattle, but that I don't think matters that much come Thursday. Like it should matter yeah. a little bit, but division games are because good. of the division aspect, because of the yeah. me- how meaningful the game. Yeah, I mean, look, just sitting here and you know boldly predicting that the 49ers are going to stomp out the Seahawks is probably not the move because we've <laughs> seen crazy things happen there. And and you know if you go back to just a couple years ago, the Niners were better in 2021 than the Seahawks too, I, I believe, and they lost twice to them largely because they got manhandled on special teams i mean that was a super couple of super weird games where bad things happened on special teams and they lost those games um but last year they won all comfortably and i I think the seahawks took some steps in the offseason like if you turn on seattle tape devin witherspoon is one of the funnest most most fun players to watch in the entire league i mean it's like you know i try every week to try to watch as much again i haven't watched as much seattle this week just because of the short week but that guy stands out all the time but their pass coverage still isn't very good. And a lot of it is is they have issues at safety. 
And their linebackers, they're better than the linebackers they had last year. I think it was Tanner Muse and Cody Barton started in the Ooh. playoff game against the 49ers yeah. at linebacker. And now it's Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks, which is an upgrade. But Bobby Wagner, you know, he's one of my favorite players I've ever watched and covered a ton of his games between covering the Rams and the Niners. But he just lost a step in coverage. He's just not quite the same guy that he was. So a lot of opportunities should be there for the 49ers in that intermediate pass game, I think. And if you look at... What the Seahawks have on the other side of the ball, you know, DK Metcalf pops up on the injury report today as a, as a did not practice. Obviously, they're, they're just doing walkthroughs up there, too, but that's not a great sign because he wasn't on it at all yesterday. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going on there. Geno Smith has a bad elbow. Kenneth Walker almost certainly isn't going to play. They're still kind of figuring out things on the offensive line. They've had a lot of injuries there, and that group wasn't super sound to begin with, particularly along the interior. So I, I, I do think that th- this sets up in a way that the 49ers could win convincingly. But to your point, Kyle, not just the division aspect, but also Thursday night games are just super weird. Um, yeah. and, and so so that, you know, that could be a recipe again. But again, uh, I do think the 49ers are the better team, certainly on paper and, and from what we've seen this year. And they should win this game fairly handily. I don't know that that's going to happen, but they should uh, just based on the way they match up. I try really hard to be objective and, you know, like breaking down football and, and talking about this, but I think the Seahawks deserve to get boat raced for wearing those green uniforms. That's a great point. <laughs> I, you know, people say deserves got nothing to do with it. No, I think in this case it does. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Those look how they're dressed. Look how they're dressed. They're asking for it, right? Let's yeah. Like, it, they try and call it action green. It's, I mean, here's like the thing. It's green. It's going to be, it's Thanksgiving night. It's the primetime night game on Thanksgiving. It's going to be one of the most watched broadcasts of the year. And you're going to have one team in really fresh, like aesthetically pleasing white uniforms. And then another team in neon green, like pew colored uniforms. It's like the Seahawks had such an opportunity to wear their blue and silver throwbacks, which are elite uniforms. And it could have been such an aesthetically pleasing game with the red and white versus the gold and silver or, or the blue and silver. And Seahawks just opted opted not to do that, so I'm hoping they lose. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that's yeah. my analysis. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. It is. A, it, I'm not a big uniform guy, but that is a just a, a, a abysmal choice. Like it's a really bad decision, and there's a lot of like you said, there's a lot of options. Even just wear the regular ones, but but going with the green is is kind of a wild it's so wild bad. decision. So maybe they're Nick, going for the distraction angle. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they're trying to get everyone emotionally hijacked before the game. Um, that that green and white are going to pop on the screen, though. I might I mean, wear. At least there's contrast. Boy, is there! At least there's contrast. Um, Nick, I have a question for you. Is Geno Smith good? Is he a good quarterback? Is he better than is Brock he, Purdy? I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's better than Brock Purdy. Um, hmm. I think I think if you look at I've actually done this in the past where, uh, you know, I've seen people, uh, Brady Henderson, who I'll give a shout out to is he's my colleague. He covers the Seahawks up there, does a tremendous job. He asked me because he wrote something. I don't even remember what we were doing. It was some company, uh, you know, uh, ESPN project that we did where uh, he had to say something about the Niners and Seahawks matchup. And he said, you know, the Niners are still better on paper at every position except for quarterback. And as you can imagine, Niners fans took that really well. Um, and this was before <laughs> the, se- the Niners, the Niners, this is before the season. And so, he, you know, he basically was saying Geno Smith is better. And at the time, I don't think that was an outrageous <clears throat> statement because you hadn't seen, you know, the additional games from Brock Purdy, but it's not like Geno Smith is super established in this league as a good quarterback either. Like last year was the first time that he started 
you know, playing well and showing that he could be a starting caliber quarterback. But anyway, so I plugged a bunch of numbers in and I just did it like on a game by game. And I was like, how many of the top, let's say, 10 games combined that these guys have played would Geno Smith show up, whether it's in QBR or EPA or, or you know, whatever measures efficiency or whatever. And it was like eight out of the 10 were Brock Purdy. And that was before the season. <laughs> So now I'm imagining Geno's probably falling maybe one out of 15 or something uh, because Brock has added games this year that would be even above what he did last year. So I, I, I like I think the Geno Smith story is a great story. You could argue that these two quarterbacks are the best two stories just from a, a you know, a narrative storytelling perspective in the league. Right. Like Geno yeah. Smith's story is great. He won comeback player of the year last year, which I thought was weird because he came back from being bad, I guess. But. Uh, I do. I love the story. Like, I think there's another award that he should have, they should have for like most improved or whatever, uh, like, like the NBA does. or something. Yeah. Something like that. But, but regardless, it was a great story. Brock Purdy. We, we all know what, what his story is. So I, I, I have a lot of respect for Geno Smith. I really, I really like the way he carries himself. I like the way he has stuck with it and rebuilt his career. But if you ask me, what does he do better than Brock Purdy, uh, as a quarterback, I'm really, I'm really not sure what the answer is. I don't know if there is anything. I think you're underselling the fact that Mac Jones played tennis as a youth and and was a child model. Um, when you're talking about like great quarterback stories, yeah. I, I just I, I I think we have to mention that one. Did how, anyone ever how, talk to his tennis coach? <laughs> how is that translated into? The- <laughs> um, is it a fallback option? <laughs> it, may, it might need to be. Um, the Ohio State of stories. <laughs> wow you're gonna say that to him this week of all weeks bro you know me big ohio state guy Every, <laughs> if, if anybody who knows me knows that i oh all day baby yeah yeah absolutely Chris, you're gonna be you're gonna be geared up all day kyle is a kyle is a buck nut for sure oh dude yeah. big time dude me brutus is my homeboy i have a shirt that says that it's in the wash but, Huge David David Boston Joey Galloway guy he's all in no question uh, Vernon Goldson Beanie Wells is just <laughs> a frame Beanie Wells Cardinals jersey hanging up in my office <laughs> no um I forget oh, what yeah, I was being, oh the fallback like the, 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 being for, such an Ohio State fan that you have an Arizona Cardinals Beanie Wells jersey. <laughs> <laughs> just follow my guys man nostalgia my guys yeah anyways. <laughs> I don't think – do we have anything else for Nick? I think we've exhausted your, our jokes and sarcasm to this point. How does – this is a just a dork media question, but I'm going to ask it because I can. Um, <laughs> how does the short week affect you? Like, as a, as a beat writer, as somebody who – like, you have a process – where you're rewatching the game, you're watching the all 22, you're getting a look ahead at the next opponent and watching their previous couple of games. How does a yeah. short week impact that preparation for you? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it definitely makes it hard. And this week I didn't even, I didn't do either of the things that I've been trying to kind of do as um, you know, just for on Twitter. So people can kind of get an idea of what I'm, what I'm seeing and, and what's, what's real on some of these teams. But usually what I'll do after a game is, is I'll spend Monday. I'll watch the previous game the previous Niners game three times uh, from different angles, including one, the TV copy. Cause I like to just hear if like, you know, they go do these production meetings. Right. And mm-hmm. sometimes you'll hear an announcer say something like I didn't know. And so 
I maybe three times a year I'll hear something that I didn't know and like it turns into a story. So I watch that. I watch a TV copy for that, and then I'll watch the two different angles um, from the All Twenty Two. Uh, and then on Tuesday, I try to dive into the next team and I usually, I watch, try to watch a minimum of three games. Um, and I won't watch, I won't watch like one game from two angles. I'll just watch it from, you know, an all 22 angle and then, and then keep moving to the next one, but three to three to four games usually. And this week on, with, with a Thursday game, it just, it just, it's just too quick of a turn because I got a right on Monday. You had Hufanga injury, which really threw some things off. There's some TV stuff that I have to take care of and, and, and was doing today. So um, I just didn't get a chance to do it. And uh, so if anyone out there actually enjoys my super long tweets with um, with little colorful dots and, and this stuff, like I apologize that I it will be back next week, I promise. But um, I didn't get a chance to do that this week. So, um, yeah, and it makes it hard because like even, even today going into the press conferences and talking to guys in the locker room, I, I usually really like to have my, you know, study – buttoned up by then because it it, the reason I do it largely is because it makes me ask better questions and I can talk Mm -hmm. to guys off the record about certain things that I'm seeing or whatever and and, um I just didn't have a chance to do that so even going in there today I was like so how about them Seahawks what do you what do you like your your chances huh no uh, but uh yeah so it's just it's just a little different but you know it's it's one of those things that we're all uh we're all pretty lucky to to get to do this for a living and um I, I certainly on, on a, on a Thanksgiving week, uh, being thankful that, you know, I, I think Fred Warner put it well, like he's thankful he gets to to play on, on Thursday night. Cause it's the thing he loves. And, uh, I, I get to do what I love on Thursday too, which is, you know, cover football. More important than like the logistics of your job on a short week. Are you going to be able to get to the Omakase sushi place in, oh, uh, in question. Seattle on Wednesday? You already know the answer to this. And I'll, I'll just, give, I'm just going to give them a, I'm just going to give them a free plug because I do, I've done it on TK's podcast. I'll do it anyway. It is legitimately my favorite restaurant in the, in the United States of America. It is Sushi Kashiba in Seattle. Shiro Kashiba is the sushi chef there. He is one of the, like, they call him the grandfather of Seattle sushi, but he's really kind of the godfather of sushi in America. He trained under Jiro. If anyone knows who Jiro is, there's a Netflix documentary called I Dream of Jiro. He is like the founding father of sushi just in the world, basically. And Shiro trained under him, and he is still there. He's almost 80 years old, still there. Uh, I think three nights a week he's working, but he'll pop in and just say hello or whatever. I've been going there, covering the league for 20 years. I go there every year, basically. Um, But the the best experience is if you get there early enough, you could sit at the sushi bar, and Shiro will make omakase sushi for you basically oh. until you wave the until you wave the white flag all the fish pike's place market is literally a block away so all the fish comes fresh from there every morning and he just makes the freshest and best stuff you just eat whatever you know it's all presented beautifully and he'll tell you what it is it's my it's not it's not cheap but it is it is one of my favorite stops on the nfl circuit for just because of that place and shiro is the sweetest man in the world and also just incredibly talented at what he does so um if you ever get to seattle sushi kashiba for any of your listeners yeah i uh people people ask me from time to time like what the best road city is for niners fans to go check out and i always Mm -hmm. say seattle i know like you know there's a rivalry and niners fans don't love the 12s and all that stuff but um there are so many reasons why i think seattle is is such a great place as like a visiting fan to go see a game um, and I think the food in Seattle and um, including the, the sushi spot you mentioned is, I mean, it's, it's a great, it's a great town. It's a short flight. Um, so yeah, there's that. 
Yeah, cheers to short flights too. That we're not getting a ton of those this year, so <laughs> no. uh, that's that's certainly a welcome uh, welcome exception this week. But yeah, Seattle is, uh, and and also the stadium atmosphere is unbelievable. It, that's one of yeah, those yeah. things where like you can hear about it, but until you really experience it, and I I I, I think I've talked to Niners fans who've gone up there, and I don't think they have bad experiences by and large uh, with the fans there. It's just a really loud, cool stadium. Great setting downtown. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Chris. It's one of my favorite stops. And I think if I was a fan and just going to games, I've been to every stadium in the league. That would be right there, you know, one or two with uh, with Lambeau. We get it, dude. You went on Tim Kawakami's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's coming to dinner with me tomorrow. I, I introduced Sick. Tim to Shiba. So, uh, yeah, he's he's a huge fan also. That's going to be a great time. Can you, really to, can you talk to can you talk to Tim about the closed end open open end of Levi Stadium thing show for him a us? Photo. <laughs> oh yeah, because it's the same, right? Yes. Yeah. He it's even mentioned on it on sides. his pod with Barrows, and I'm I just I, it's I mean, just you, the thing. We need I feel to like I'm taking crazy pills with this <laughs> because Tim's a smart person. Like he didn't just bring this up out of nowhere. So where is he getting the idea that one end of the stadium is closed? Is it a bit? I hope it's a bit. If it's a bit, it's I, a great one. I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I feel like you guys have access to speak to Tim also. So yeah, you, you, you stick we your do. finger in his chest yourself. <laughs> so here's the thing is, is if I was, in fact, I'm doing this now, he might listen to this and respond accordingly. But I wanted to say on this the is internet. This a real man's way to handle it. Yeah. Let's kill Keith, kill TK for his take, and then hope he listens. And then we could get the problem solved. That's no, that's we're not. We're not killing yeah, him. No, dude, Tim, Tim's no, a, no, Tim's no. an avid listener of the pod. So shout, shout out to him. He's a, and he's, yeah, he's, he's, a, great. he's a legend. But I didn't want to. I didn't, I didn't want to type on the internet like like I don't. I think they're both ends are open because I couldn't <laughs> figure out a way to type it where I wasn't sounding like a dick and I genuinely wasn't trying to be. So this is me. If it had, if I had been there, totally the a much better, like, much, much better, much better approach, Kyle. This this is great. No, this is In fine. Fairness, this is all gonna I, work I brought out. It up. This is gonna go well for me. I I brought it up. I'll I'll wear this one. Shout out to Tim. We appreciate you. We'll uh, we'll get back on the golf course soon. Gonna start dealing with all my problems via Very my podcast. Soon. Very soon. Um. All right, Nick. I think that's all we got. Uh. We very much appreciate you coming on. And um. <clears throat> Happy Thanksgiving, man. It's uh. Yeah. Go eat some movie theater popcorn, huh? <laughs> Oh wait, we didn't we didn't do the uh, what what is your favorite Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah, who, <laughs> hey, who are the Nick? Who are the did, five biggest to? turkeys in the NFL this year, Nick? <laughs> I want to see I want to see I want to see I want to see a radio guy like Kyle like flip the script on its head and be like, "All right, you were really good to do this. Name your five favorite pilgrims." Go. <laughs> like, like that like that kind of thing. Like, you know, really really change it up instead of Just dive let's, in. Have a, let's have a draft of Thanksgiving food. Just uh, all those sports Nina Pinta Santa Maria rank them. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, bracket day. <laughs> all right. Yeah, there's We're a lot the of rails. there's there's yeah, there's a lot of good material there that you guys are missing out on. But you still got time. You could do a Thanksgiving pod. I've got and, a prep I've got it. a prep a radio show for tomorrow, so I'll include all of this. This is all good. There stuff. you go. Are you guys gonna do a Thanksgiving pod? Uh, to, the be game? Determined, no, to be determined. No, we don't. We're not going to make our editor Tyler work on Thanksgiving. That's crazy. Wow. That's yeah. cool. I'm, that's I'm flying back from New Orleans Thanksgiving morning. So, yeah. I was uh, going to do a solo pod, but then Tyler's got to put, and it's like, dude, no, nobody wants that. Yeah, no, it's not a big deal that you hate your listeners. It's fine. 
<laughs> Shout okay, out to guy Tyler. Who We're thinking we'll... his in-depth tweets this week. I mean, I'm just following <laughs> your footsteps. <laughs> I love the idea. I love the idea of somebody listening to this pod and be like, "Yo, Nick's on there." I hope he brings up that he didn't do his goddamn tweets. <laughs> Right, right, yeah. No, I, I hope that guy accepted my apology. Again, I could not be sorrier. That's really a deep from the, from the depths of my heart that I missed out on that. Yeah. Um, all right, we're going to get out of here. Uh, Nick, thanks again for coming on. We will talk to you guys some point after the Niners Seahawks game. Um, and uh, everybody enjoy. Happy holidays. And we will talk to everyone soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.